0: Good morning to each one, and greetings in Jesus' name. It really is a blessing to be able to be together, to worship together. And yet, as this, this morning as we meet in this pavilion, this outdoor arena, we have distractions all around us. We have things that want to grab our attention and to cause us to lose focus on truly worshiping God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we get distracted by people. Sometimes we get distracted by our thoughts. Maybe what we have coming, going, either this past week or the week or weeks to come. Maybe even we get distracted by health issues. And sometimes we get distracted by a small oddity, like the preacher's collar up on his suit, or something like that. And it causes us to lose focus of what we are really here for. bugs the road is nearby and earlier this morning I heard a truck go down the road and it was it was fairly loud and that can grab our attention and distract us or it could be the breeze blowing and a little bit of a chill or a bird chirping in the trees but the things that we See here that distract us. These things are visible, temporal. Thank you. I did hear it. These things that distract us are here today. Possibly the top of the gone tomorrow And that could be for each one of us. Here today, God's mark. Look, we being in these bodies are eternal beings. We have this body of clay that God has assigned us for an allotted time here on this earth to personally prepare and then to reach out with the gospel message for those around us. Satan wants to do anything he can to distract us. If you will, I'd like for you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we are going to be actually spending most of our time in the book of Revelation the book of Revelation, I've been reading in that book. And as I shared with you all on past, I've been kind of focusing on a certain book and reading and rereading and rereading. Because often when I read through a book and then read the next book or something like that, I kind of, in one ear, out the other, in one brain, out the other, whatever you want to call it, it comes and goes pretty quickly. Maybe it doesn't for you. Maybe it sticks. But for me, it comes and goes pretty quickly. But we are here for a season. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And it says that in these verses. Finally, my brethren, this is Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. So this morning, we need to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There. It says, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and have it on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, pray for me. And this is written here, but I speak this personally. Pray for me that utterance may be given unto me, that, my, that I may openly open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So this morning... I want you to specifically pray, and we're going to take just a little bit of time for a word of prayer, that the forces of Satan be bound, and that we can truly worship without distraction our Lord and Spirit. I invite you to pray with me. Father, this morning, we are truly grateful for your blessings, for your kindness, for your calling. Father, we live in this world of unrest and turmoil. And yet we know that we can find peace at the foot of the cross in Jesus Christ. Father, we know that Satan wants to do all he can to distract us, to cause us to stumble, to fall away, to lose focus on our Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would grant us power to be overcomers, and we know that that power is available. Lord, as we look at your word this morning, help us to personally examine our hearts. Help us to personally look to you, to your word, and maybe even guidance from other men and women to guide us into paths of righteousness. We pray these things in Christ's name with Thanksgiving. Amen. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 1. Again, we're going to have a little bit of trouble with the breeze. This book written by the Apostle John, one of Jesus' best friends, one of the inner circle. This book was written by a man that had a vision, a specific revelation from God. And we read in this book about his vision and the things that God revealed to him on that Lord's Day many, many years ago. And the setting was a small Greek island in the Aegean Sea. Today, it is off the coast, west coast of Turkey, modern Turkey. The landmass of the island of Patmos is about 13 square miles. And legend has it that when John was banished to the Isle of Patmos, he was banished because of Christian persecution by the Roman Emperor Domitian. Patmos was a small, barren, and rocky island. I don't know what it looks like today, but this was a small, barren, and rocky island where criminals of Rome were forced to serve out their prison terms in harsh conditions. And I read somewhere that they were forced into hard labor in some of the mines and apparently there is now a monastery or something, I'm not exactly sure what it is, built over one of those, quote, mines or caves or something where John either lived or slept or worked. I'm not exactly sure. But John, in the Spirit, on the Lord's Day, had a revelation. And in this revelation, John, God gave him a message and showed him of things to come. And as we read this revealed message today, we know without a doubt that we are like Brother Jonathan said, we are one day closer to the day when Jesus will come again, to the day that Scripture will be fulfilled, and Jesus will come again to claim his own. The unspotted Unblemished Bride of Christ. We think 20, 40, 60, 80 years takes a while to get there. But in light of eternity, it goes just like that celebrated with Paula's dad the other evening. 72 years. What a blessing. How quickly it's come. How quickly 54 years has come for myself. I invite you to read with me in Revelation chapter 1. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. He wrote this some 2,000 years ago. It is said that this book was written somewhere between 92 to 95 A.D. Some 2,000 years ago. And it said it was written to his servants, Things which must shortly come. What does that mean? That means, in the eyes of God, our life, our 2,000 years since Jesus came, since Jesus rose and is standing on the right hand of God, is but a snap of the finger. And yet we are here to prepare. And he sent- send- signified it by an angel unto his servant John who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And this was written by by John the Apostle, the Revelator, but it is written to each one of us today. And it says, Blessed is he that readeth, that they may hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. 2,000 years ago, this was written. And he said, These things that shortly must come to pass, for the time is at hand. John had a message, and this message was not meant to condemn the churches, but to encourage and admonish. This message was to specific churches, these seven churches. But it is also a message to the global church, the church in the ages to come after. Which, and that is which, where we find ourselves today. Continuing in verse 4, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and that they also which pierced him, and all kindred of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. Jesus speaking says, I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, which was, which is which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Verse 9, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation in the kingdom and patience of Christ, Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am an al- I am Alpha and Omega the first and the last, and what thou seest write in a book. And send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, and unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and Pergamos, and Thyatira, and Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot, and girt about the path with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like undefined brass as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars,
1: and out of his mouth
0: went a sharp, sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was as the sun that shineth in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. He laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not. I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. I thank for each one of us as we read that verse. He's saying to us that he is alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven golden candlesticks. seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. I want to stop there for just a bit. But John was speaking to these seven churches. But in the fact that he was speaking to seven, often the number seven has been understood as a complete number, a perfect number, a whole number. As we look at the creation, God worked six days, and on that seventh day he rested. And we see throughout this whole section of Scripture it talks about the seven churches and the seven lampstands and the seven angels and the seven golden candlesticks. So many of these these words, or these words seven, typifies complete. Perfect. We look at Genesis. It says that the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made And he rested on that day from the work which he had made. And God blessed that seventh day and sanctified it because in that because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. God had finished his work of creation. That seventh day he rested. His work was complete. He rested. Today, God is finishing His work in His new creation. And that is you and I individually. As we embrace Christ in our lives, as we believe in Him, we are that new creation. We, are that, we have become that part of the body of Christ. This bride that Jesus will one day come. that unblemished unspotted and he has provided a way for each one of us individually to be unblemished unspotted but it doesn't just happen it comes with work it comes with perseverance it comes with putting on the armor of God and living our lives daily with that armor, proclaiming that message. John specifically addressed each of the seven churches. And he told them of the things that they were doing right and well, and then he addressed some of the things that needed changed or restored or repented of. Years ago, there was an acronym, and I've shared this before, there was an acronym, WWJD. What would Jesus do? And there were bracelets and coffee mugs, bookmarks, and all kinds of things that were marketed with this WWJD. What would Jesus do? And that jingle stuck. Because whenever you mention WWJD, people's mind just, yeah, Today I want to challenge myself and each of us with another similar acronym. And that would be WWJS. What would Jesus say as we look at this book of Revelation and what the apostle wrote to those seven seven different churches? He gave them commendation in many of the things, but he also said to those seven churches, I have something that I need to share with you, something that you need to shore up, something that you need to do better in, something that you need to repent of, and I'm not going to go through all of those seven churches, WWJS, what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say to the churches? If Jesus were to speak to the modern churches of today, this morning, what would he have for us from the Lord? Sorry, if John were to speak to the churches, what would he have from the Lord? What would Jesus say to you and I? If Jesus were to speak to the church here at Bethany, But more specific, if Jesus were to speak to you personally, WWJF, what would Jesus say about your life or mine? You know, we do a lot of things right, and I do appreciate our churches. I appreciate our brotherhood, our fellowship. And we have a lot of things going for us. But you know there's some things that we probably ought to shore up. John, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, addressed some of these issues. In the second chapter of Revelation, it says in verse 1, Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus writes, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars. God was speaking to this church. And he was saying he knows their work, their labor, their patience. He knows that they can't stand the evil. And we look back at Lot. We look back at Lot. It vexed his righteous soul to see the evil that was there in that city of Sodom. He is saying these things. Verse three it says, And hast borne and hath patience, and for my name's sake has labored and hath not fainted. These were the good things that this church was doing. But in verse four, he's saying to this church that had these good things, but nevertheless I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. John the Revelator was writing, because thou hast left thy first love. Now I don't know how it was for you when you became a Christian when you first accepted Jesus as Savior, but I remember for myself when I became a new creature in Christ, the joy that swelled up within me, the knowledge of being saved, being at peace with God, I mean, I wanted to tell the world. You know, over the years, do I still have that burning desire to tell the world like I have? Much to my shame, I have room to grow. But John the Revelator was writing that their love had grown cold. They had become accustomed to being a Christian, to going to church and just living their life. Their love had just kind of I don't know what it is like for you, but when you sit down to a hot meal and you dip that steaming food out into your plate and you have to blow that food, it is like, oh, this is so. You have to cool it down so that it doesn't burn your mouth, but that hot, delicious food or even a cup of coffee, just run. But you let that coffee sit for a while or you let that food sit on the table for a while and it grows cool, it's not as palatable, it's not as tasty, it's not as attractive as it once was. And I think for each of us, we need to keep, and I say this for myself, we need to keep our faith hot. So that it's tasty, so it's palatable, so it is enjoyable. So I guess my question to myself, to you, how is your love for Christ? Has it cooled down? Or is it still stoked? Are you still shoving in the wood? Are you still building that flame? What would Jesus say? WWJF. Let's turn over to chapter 3. says, And unto the angel, verse 1, And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou thou Hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come as a thief and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. (laughs) WWJS. What would Jesus say? Are we being watchful? Are we strengthening the things that we know that remain? Or are some of those things Ready to die that's challenging to me. it says in verse three, remember, remember therefore how that how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. I don't know how long it has been since we because of anguish of our soul, truly fell before the Lord in repentance. I don't know how long it has been for you. I know how how it has been for me. But it seems as we grow cooler, those times grow further. Then sometimes when we are able to refurbish that flame, those those times of repentance of falling before the Lord broken, come closer together where we know that we are unworthy. We need to strengthen the things in our lives that may be on life support and hold fast to the things that we have heard and strive to come before God in a broken and contrite way. Verse 14 of Revelation 3. And unto the angel of the church of Laodicea writes, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of creation of God, I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot, I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich, and increase with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked? How many of us have more than what we need? We have more than what we need. And I think if you would look at the world in general, we rank among the top riches in the world verse 17 because thou sayest I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing no it's not that in the eyes of God our righteousness is as filthy rags God sees us for who we truly are God is the perfect and just judge but he says in verse 18, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be a rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent what would Jesus say about you First, Is God working in your life? It says for as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Have you been chastened of God? Have you been smitten in your heart? Have you come before Him in repentance, truly? He says in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open that door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. The invitation is open, people. It says, Behold, He stands and knocks. And if you listen, and if you open, he will come in. He will fellowship with me. Verse 21, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my father in his throne. As I look out across this crowd, I don't see anybody missing any ears. In verse 22, it says, He that hath an ear, or I could say, He that hath both ears, let him or her hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches of God. If God is speaking to you, through this word, through this message, through someone else. He that hath an ear, let him be. The Spirit saith of the church. Jesus is calling. Each and every day. May we respond to that calling in faith. Recognizing that he is the perfect judge. And let's contemplate in our hearts and in our lives, WWJS. What would Jesus say? God bless you.